Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Uh, welcome this morning. This is uh, really a continuation of our Go Get the One vision for 2022. Last week, we focused on family, so I really wanted to talk about that, learning the scripture. That is a family dynamic. That's something we do as a family. So we're each responsible for reaching our family what? Personally. That's my problem. That's, that's, that's something I should be responsible for. Reaching our family first sets you up to effectively reach the community. Okay, so a godly family is a testimony to the community and it establishes a great witness to others. So if you missed it and you're like, man, I'm not gonna re-preach it, I'm gonna stop right there, but we do have podcasts available. If you're an Android user or you're an Apple user, go to the podcast just like you would search for podcasts, type up Harvest Time Church and we have all of those uploaded for you. Listen to it on your way to work, catch up. If I preach a really, really good message and you wanna re-listen to it, you can go back and listen to it. You know, sometimes I got to go back and listen to it because God deposits so many things in me that comes out that are not on the paper to where it's like it's revelation in the moment rather than it is prepared revelation. So just we want to make sure that you know that those are available to you. So this morning, we're going to continue to focus on going and getting the one, but looking at our community and and looking at the world. So we want to reach our family. We want to reach our community and we want to reach the world. Those are those are our focus areas for this year that we really want to be intentional about. Acts 1:8 it says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So remember that Jerusalem was talking about your family or your city. Judea and Samaria was talking about the state. Um you know you know, the extended your boundaries, you know, of your state and your, in your country, and then ends of the earth that is talking about the world. So we are to be witnesses in all of those places. A witness is really one that gives an account or a full account of what has happened. So it's really just telling others what Jesus has done. If you say, well, Pastor Noe, how do I know exactly what happened? How do I know the specifics of the story? Man, thanks for asking. You say, well, I think this is what happened. Just look in the scripture. God has given us so much guidance and specifics to every account. He even gave it to you multiple gospels. He even gave multiple people writing, writing it. And so much here, just regurgitate right here. You say, well, I wasn't there, but these guys were. And guess what? The Holy Spirit who really wrote this book, who inspired this book, uh, lives inside of you also. So he will bear witness to what Jesus has done. So we are just to tell that story. We're to give an account, telling others uh, in, in, uh, in, our, in our families, in our community, and in our world. So re- remember, our family, we reach them personally. The community, we want to make sure that we reach the community practically. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more uh, this morning. And then we reach our world sacrificially. That wallet thing you're sitting on, to to have a global impact, there's going to be a financial sacrifice. I've never heard a missionary approach me and say, hey, Pastor Noe, I want to do missions. It's going to be totally free. Hey, we want to go drill a water well in Africa and share the love of Jesus. Well, diesel, fuel, expense. Like I've been a part of those projects. They are very expensive. Been alongside some missionaries at times when they run out of supplies or the money runs out and they keep drilling. I said, well, how are we drilling? Oh, we're drilling on faith now, right? It requires financial sacrifice or somebody going or somebody praying. We'll unravel all of that as we look in just a little bit. But let me start off by asking you a question. 
What will it, in, what will it take to impact our community? Because we want to look at our community before we look at our world. I think sometimes we look at the world, but we miss our community. I don't really know what the, what the breakdown with that is. I think we think maybe missions is the spotlight, the highlight. And it's like, if we are failing in our community where we live, where it's, we're really personally tied to it, you know, and just focusing on the world, I think we're missing a big part of that. So what will it take to impact our community? So let me give you a quick little illustration. So two construction workers, they, they, take, they, were, they were taking their lunch break and they opened their lunch box. And one of them opened it up and looked in his box and he says, not bologna again. And the guy looked at him, he says, man, you don't like bologna? He says, no, this is the third time this week that I've had bologna. He says, well, why don't you tell your wife to not pack you bologna? And he responds and says, I don't have a wife. I pack my own lunch. Okay, so what we have to realize is most of the baloney that we feed ourselves is our own fault. You're frustrated because of what you're eating and what you're doing and what you're being exposed to, but you are packing your own lunch in an essence. So if you want your life to be different than, than, it, than the, old, the same old baloney it's always been, you have to break out, change something you're doing, or do something that you're not doing. Can't blame the wife. All right, so I hope that sticks, that if you're frustrated with where you're at, you might be the cause of all of that baloney. <laughs> Next week, hey, what I preach on? Baloney, that's all that's stuck. All right, so to change our community, we have to be proactive. Doing nothing to contribute to our community is communicating by our actions that we are willing to accept whatever happens, whether good or bad. You realize that? You have super opinionated people that do nothing in the community, but yet have the most opinions. So the, the, the thing is, if you just passively stand by and do nothing, you are saying, hey, I agree to the school board. I agree to the mayor. I'm cool with whatever they're doing by complacency, compromise. You're not doing anything. But by not doing something, you're saying you're okay with it. But what happens, the good, bad, or the ugly comes out of that. So we have to realize that we need to be impactful in our community, not just passively watching it just go by. There's so many influential positions and, you know, be the voice to your community. You know, get involved in your community, all right? Determine in your heart today to make a difference. The, the coolest part of the go get the one focus is it really focuses on just getting one at a time. It's just making an influence where you're at, in, in, in your position that you're at, in your um, you know, God's given me the position of this platform for this church. So this is my place of influence, of encouraging, of challenging, maybe a good little kick in the pants. I mean, whatever it takes to motivate people to be all that God has called them to be. Some of you in this room are already in influential positions, but you're not really fully activating the reach of that. You realize that? You just kind of, well, I don't want to rock the boat. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I got to go by the rules. I got to abide by what they say. Well, I hope that your loyalty is to be a Christian first who just so happens to be a teacher rather than the other way around. Many people say, well, I'm a teacher who just so happens to be a Christian. But I think what honors God is to be a Christian who just so happens to be a teacher. To be a Christian that just so happens is a preacher, right? To be, to be a Christian that just so happens to be a manager of my whole organization. You know, we want to be a Christian first and, and be loyal to God, and then that will, that will cause everything we do in what we are and what we do to be affected. But everybody has a, has a reach into their community. 
But realize this, a great community is built by many great people all doing something individually to create collectively a great place to live. You ever heard the saying, well, man, it's good, but a few people mess it up. Man, people that mess it up are going to come and go. But collectively, can we all contribute to make it a great place? A great church culture or community is built the same way. Great people being awesome and creating a great culture that people want to be part of. You know, that's what we're building here at Harvest Time Church. We are just striving to create a place where we love people, where we realize we're all messed up, trying to get better. Thank God that Jesus is on our side. And we just figured out it's funner to do it together than by ourselves, right? We don't try to have it all together. But we are building a culture that accepts all people, that we love all people, that we honor God, that we do what his word says, that we challenge people to be all that God has called us to be. You know, when I started pastoring this church, I made a commitment to you. I says, if you are not growing, if you are not being challenged, that is Becky and I's fault. Because we're not encouraging you really in the truth of God's word. Because if you've read enough of his word, there's all kinds of stuff in here that will challenge you. There's some pages, just to be honest, I would love if they weren't there. Because they challenged me to the point of where I said, Lord, that's too much. But yet when the standard is set, the grace and the ability is given within us to accomplish all that he calls us to. So how do we change the world? By first changing the community in which we live. Let's look at Luke 10, 25 through 37. Most of you guys have heard this passage. If it helps you just to listen rather than read along, I really want you to grab the concept and the the details of this story. But it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, really, I think this captures the heartbeat of what does it really mean to reach our community? What does it really mean to reach out and help those who are in need? So starting in verse 25 of chapter 10 in Luke, it says, uh, on, on one occasion, the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Because I want to frame, frame it out for you a little bit. So an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is, it, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So he answered, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who, who, so, and who is my neighbor? In verse 30, Jesus replies and he says, he uses, a, he uses a parable. He gives him a story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go by, go go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in verse 33, it says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he says, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And so then he responds, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus responded, he says, go and do likewise. Now, there is a ton in this parable. So at first, the, 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 
the professional in the law, the, the, the one that stood up to test Jesus, he was first asking the question, who is your neighbor? Now, when we think about that, think about it for yourself because that is going to determine who you reach out to. That is going to determine who you take care of. Who is my neighbor? So I did a little bit of research. So the word neighbor actually was a concept limited in the Old Testament period um, and and late Judaism to the one fellow Israelite. It was the Christians. It was the right. That's why he was, he was trying to set them up to say, well, that's just the Christian, right? That's the, that was the answer that he was looking for. Those that earn it, those who deserve it, those who are of the family of God. But what happened in this story is that it, it, it expanded what once was in the law. And Jesus was saying, now this is going to be a higher standard of the law to any of those that you come near that come across your path. This is the demographic of what, who the neighbor is. Because if I fell over and got hurt, oh man, pastor's in a ditch. I hope. Leave me hanging and I get your license plate number. I'm going to come get you. You know, like, I mean, you know, I hope that, you know, like, hey, we know who that is. He's one of us. But in this situation, it wasn't the case. But when we look at this story, do you realize this guy was traveling and it wasn't his fault that he was attacked? The moment somebody falls on hard times, we blame the individual. Well, maybe if they were responsible, maybe if they wouldn't have been walking at night, maybe, and you, you fill in the blank. You know you've done it. I've done it. Should I give them money? Shouldn't they know they should have saved for a rainy day? Or like, I mean, I don't know, whatever it is. I think we've all justified it to some degree, but we blame the person. We don't blame life circumstance. And if you've been alive long enough, you know you are going to go through a hard time. You are going to go through a moment of setback. And God forbid you get beaten up, robbed, and stripped, and left naked on the floor. Somebody comes and helps you. Right? This is a really, it's a startling story, right? So then if we, if we break it down, I'm just going to give you kind of just some polish points. So then we see in this story that each and every person that walked by, they first saw the individual. Now, if you don't see him, I'm going to give you a freebie card. Pastor, I didn't even see him. I was checking my text when I drove by. I don't know. Don't do that either, right? But for whatever reason, if you don't see him, it's different. It says that each of them saw the individual, and then they passed by on the other side. Ooh. So who are these individuals? Oh. So it was the priest first. So who is the priest? Who, does, who, does, who is that? The pastor, that's me. <laughs> so, oh, I got to get to church. They're waiting on me for a meeting. I can't, uh, I can't, be, can't fool with that. The preacher <laughs> saw him, didn't meet the need, avoided at all costs, and kept on going. Then the Levite, who were the Levites? They were the carriers of the presence of God, but modern day they would be who? Who? I can't remember. I can't hear nothing. Well, they were the worshipers. They were, they were the worship leaders. They were your platform ministers. They were the keepers of the house of God. Those were your Christian people. The ones that say, oh, yeah, they're real, real Christians, not just Christians, right? Those were the ones that should have known what was best and should have been focused on loving people. So your pastor and your worship leaders all saw the individual and went the other way. And then we see that the Samaritans saw him. And that's really where I want to kind of focus in on this story a little bit. But I have a quick quote by Martin Luther King. It says, the first question in which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan changed the, the question and he says, if I, do not inst do I, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? 
Let me tell you, one is about self-survival. One is about really helping someone in the community. One is really about reaching out to your neighbor. And one is like, I don't care. I'm going to keep myself safe first. And we are all guilty of that. I mean, if you have kids or you have a wife or you have kids in the car, you're saying, oh, I can't stop. I got my kids in the car. I got to be safe. Now, I'm not saying that's not sometimes the case, but we can't be responding based on self-survival rather than just helping our fellow man. Fellow man, not fellow Christian. All right? So as we break this passage down, we're going to look at five things to consider in reaching my community. And I want you to make that personal, my community, my problem, my area of reach, my community, five things that I can do. Number one is first and foremost, identify who is my neighbor. You got to make it personal. If you can't identify your neighbor, you can't really help. You don't know who to help. You got to make it personal. So your neighbor is often the ones who I live around, who I'm around, who I'm in proximity to. Right? We can identify that my neighbor, it, for, and the, where my house is, it's north, south, east, west, where I live, my community, my subdivision, my apartment complex. Like, you know, if you don't know your neighbors left and right, you need to change that. Now, I know you got those garage people that, man, it's just like you see the garage go up, whoo, they take off, and then before they show up, the garage opens back up, the garage door. Man, I don't know if you need to run, like when they come out or when you know they're home. Hey, I know you're in there. Come on out. Like, I mean, I'm your neighbor, you know, a little stockish-ish. You know, like, I mean, I don't know, but people are so separate now. Like, they're just so private. There's really no, like, you don't know your neighbors to your left and your right. And, man, I want my neighbors watching out for me. I want to watch out for them. I want to know who's coming, who's going, who's supposed to be there. Like, you know, if I got some ruckus in the backyard in the middle of the night, I need to know who to shoot and who not to shoot. Come on. You all right? Come on. Like, I mean, you got to know who your neighbors are. Like, man, I shot my neighbor. I didn't even know it was him. Come on. You know, Christmas time, take some treats over, you know, care package. Hey, you know, when they, I got two new neighbors in my neighborhood that I haven't even met yet. One on the far end and one on the other end, but I know kind of this direction around me. So um, I think that's going to be something we always have to, have to do. But um, know who your neighbors are. Remember, the expert in the law questioned, you know, Jesus the same way. You know, the, so it's not limited to just those who are Christians. Because I think we'll do that. We'll say, oh, well, I got a Christian friend lives right next to me. When we hang out, we have fellowship, we have Bible time. What about your other neighbor? We see that all the time, you know, that Jesus said, I came not to those who are well, but those who are sick, those who need Jesus. I think most of our Christian life, we spend in our Christian bubbles. Yeah, that's the raw reality. Well, you don't understand them heathens. No, Jesus did, but that was what he was focused on. That was his mission. That was his agenda. So if we don't focus on those that need Jesus, we will never really be far-reaching in our community. We're going to be limited to the Christians, those that always already know Jesus, those, those religious groups. But Jesus came to expand that, anyone that you would encounter in your life. So we have to really expand our mindset onto who our neighbors are. Um, Jesus will always raise the standard. You know, if you start looking around, Lord, is that my neighbor? Man, don't even ask that because Jesus is going to be straight up, yes. <laughs> right? You said, man, is this one I should reach out to? Is this one that needs? Yes, 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 and yes. All of them, any of them. You accidentally bump carts with somebody in the grocery store. Hey, what's up, neighbor? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, but that, that needs to be our focus. That needs to be our mindset. Anybody who crosses paths with our life. 
in our proximity. And it just so happens that our life is going to be interwoven with people around our community. It's just going to work that way. So number one, who is my neighbor? you got to make it personal. Number two, uh, what do you see? You have to open your eyes to what's around you. So what do you perceive is kind of the focus on there. Perceivable, what can I see with my eyes? You know, don't walk around with your head down. I see this so often in the stores, like, you know, people texting, driving, whatever. I mean, this right here is, man, talk about disconnecting everybody from the world around them. Look, y'all looking at it right now. You better be looking at Scripture. I'm just playing not playing no bubble shooter or whatever back there, but, uh, you know, but most people, even when they don't have an electronic device, do you realize everyone walks with their head down? They kind of like, you know, or it's kind of like, oh, they're coming. You know, they're, they're, everyone is trying to avoid contact, interaction. It's just really this distant culture. Becky hates when I go to the store. I might see somebody I know. I might see somebody I don't know, but it's, there's always... I mean, that's not always the goal. I just feel like I want to engage people, right? You know, it's just, you know, but God forbid I run into somebody I know. She's like, all right, I'll be back. She'll just finish the shop and come back. You're done. Not yet. We're almost done. Though. You know, like, but walking around with your head up, some of that is unintentional, but some of that is intentional, right? Look around, you know, like, you know, and with masks, you know, for a while, that was real disconnecting with people. Like, that's why I hated them. It wasn't so much that I was like, hey, you know, like, they're going to work, they're not going to work, whatever your views are on that. And what I'm preaching about this morning, what I didn't like about it was people are so disconnected from each other anyway. If I'm talking to you like this, it, it's not, it's not going to help anything. It's going to make that distant even more distant. It's going to cause a separation between you and I. Hardest thing for me, I talk to people. I wouldn't even know what they look like. I was like, bro, you got to pull that mask down so I'll be able to recognize you if I see you without a mask. But, it was, it, it's, but that is just the culture we live in. But look people in the eyes. Smile. You know, and if I ever do wear a mask and, you know, you kind of see the little wrinkle, you know, they're smiling. I tell them, hey, I'm smiling at you right now. If I got to wear a mask in a hospital, I know it's still required. So I do, hey, I'm smiling at you. And I'll tell them that. But guess what I did? I caught their attention. You know, I, I'm looking at people. I'm trying to show appreciation. But what do you see around you when we talk about reaching our neighbor? What do you perceive? Don't walk around with your head down. Actually look at people. Smile. Greet. Say hello. Be friendly uh, when you go about your day. I'm not talking about just skip through the park and looking for people to target. But I'm talking about just your normal routine is loving people. You know, a smile is a contagious thing. Now, if you have people that smile all the time, it's like, your cheeks hurt, bro. Like, I mean, just quit smiling, right? You know, it's just one of those things. It's just contagious, and I think it's a tool that God really has gifted us with to love on people. You know, or have you ever heard somebody laugh that has, like, you know, one of them laughs that makes everyone laugh? Why are you laughing? Because you're laughing. Have you heard the way you laugh? No, and they're just laughing, and it's just a contagious thing. We're built for that interaction, but we got to open our eyes. We got to see and we got to act. So what needs do you see that you have the ability to help with? I'll tell you what, going back and forth out here, I see people on the side of the road all the time. I pull over, I backed up. This one lady, she's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm on my phone. I was like, man, that's great that you're stopping while you're messing with your phone. Most people don't. So I thought she was in a bunch. She's like, no, 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 I'm good. Another time I stopped down the road and said, was your truck at that church? Oh, I'm glad I stopped that time because the truck was here at the church and then they saw that I stopped. I said, yeah, I'm the pastor from that church. 
Thank God that they, you know, connected the two on a good note instead of that blue truck just flying by them. Because there goes that pastor, he didn't even stop, right? So what can we help with? You know, sometimes we can't help with nothing, but we can be there. You know, I had an opportunity to reach out to a brother, you know. Oh. Candace, I'm praying for your family. But got a call, unexpected loss of, of, of his father. And I told him, I said, man, I don't know what to do, but I can be here with you. I saw a need. I saw something I could do. And I, made, I got there as quick as I could. Just sat there with him. Sometimes just being there. Be there. I mean, I could have just said, hey, bro, praying for you. I mean, hey, we got to change the way we think in that. We think that that's sentimental and that's close and, hey, we've done enough. Man, that's not enough. Get around them. Look them in the eyes. I, can, I, could, I could right now say, hey, I'm doing great, guys, and be bawling my eyes out, and you don't know that. But when you, what you perceive with your eyes changes everything. I can tell when somebody's hurting. You know, they say the eyes are the window to the heart. That's why a lot of people don't like to look at people. Because if I don't look at you, I can lie to you. But if I look at you, I might see deeper than just the surface. All right? So what needs around you can you help with? Man, I uh, went to Tennessee this last week, and I heard a story from some dear friends of mine. So their pastor, um, one Sunday morning, it was raining sideways. And uh, this, this couple was on their way to church. And uh, while they were driving to church, they saw a homeless man. You know, he had a coat on, it was raining sideways with a board, different things like that. And, and how the story goes, he made every excuse. Well, I got my girls in here with me, man. Maybe somebody will stop and help them. And, you know, went through all of the, the what ifs, the, oh, I'm in a hurry, I'm going to be late, I got to get to my meeting. So, gets to the church. He was on his way to church. What better time to pick up a homeless man, right? So when they get there, the homeless man walks out. And it just so happens it's the pastor who was passed, who was passed by. And I don't know if he got the backstory or not and, or if anybody from that church picked him up. But he began to quote the scripture of, you know, when did we meet your needs, Lord? When you gave me something to drink, when you gave me some food, when you gave me shelter, when you clothed me. And, and the scripture says, when you've done it for the least of one of these, you have done it unto me. Man, and I don't, I never really asked the hard, did somebody from that church pick them up? Did anybody pick them up? Man, but I tell you what, I saw a broken man sharing that story. And he made a commitment, I will never, ever do that again. And that's a hard thing. Shoot, you leave me between here and Bay City. Somebody better pick me up. I'll start throwing my, it's me, come back. Somebody like enough of us. Try. But think about that. How many of you say, oh, somebody else will help them? Hope so. Somebody else will reach out to them. Guess what? If you see it, you own it. If you see it, get involved in it. Figure out what kind of need can you meet. What do you see? The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan all saw the Jewish man, and only one did something about it. So number one, who is your neighbor? Number two, what do you see? Number three, move yourself closer to the situation. 
This is how we will reach our community. Get yourself closer to the situation. So what, is, what does this mean or what does this look like? Um, this means get a closer proximity. Okay, so I'm trying to give you, you know, I'm trying to strategically give you all five Ps. So make it personal, make it perceivable, change your proximity. So get close to the situation. Um, so when we look at this, you know, the priest and the Levite, they passed by on the other side. They kind of were like, well, I think he's good, man. He might be dead. I'm just going to go. I mean, I don't know what happened. But they really distanced themselves rather than got closer in proximity to them. Um, also, the, the Samaritan came, it says that he came to where the man was. Move closer allows you to see the situation a little bit clearer. Right? So that's, that's an easy one. Just get close to the situation, ask the question, stop, roll your window on it. Hey, are you okay? Can I do anything? You know, do you need anything? Like, you know, get involved when you see it. So when you see it, then get close to it. And then what do we do? Number, number four, we, we, we meet needs. What needs can you meet? Okay, right? So this is where it gets practical. What can you do? If I just went through a drive-thru and I got a whole bunch of burgers and it looks like somebody's hungry, I'm not going to die starving one meal. Would I be gracious enough to say, hey, man, here's some food? You know, there's nothing wrong with always meeting a physical, tangible, needed need. You could justify your life away, but man, you know, clothing, shelter, food, like just your base. I'm talking about you need these to live. This isn't like, man, I might give that guy cash and he might go buy some cigarettes. I mean, I, I, I very rarely try to give people cash. But you need gas? I'll put some in your car. You need food? Hey, let me buy you some food. I mean, I think there's a smart way to do it. Don't be manipulated. Be led by the Spirit of God. But you need to do something. Right, don't say, well, I'm not going to do anything because they might be swindling, swindling my, my money and da-da-da. Man, there, there is some. So, so Jesus wrote the Sermon on the Mount. And, man, he goes through and he just hammers your responses. So I don't know if you've ever read through all of them. But um, it, it is, it, he just goes through, this, this was the standard. Here's what the standard is now. And he goes through, this ain't the people that are your friends. These are your enemies that you should be helping. These are the neighbors I'm talking about. You know, the ones that are rough around the edges that may manipulate what you do. And, and the more that I read, the more that I study, it has nothing to do with what they do. It's a matter of what you do. And that was hard because I was like, man, I work hard. My money will, you know, and I told somebody one time, I mean, this was the second time I helped them. I said, listen, you need to put in some effort. I said, I just want to make, make this real. I said, this is not the church helping you. This is me helping you. I'm a pastor, but I got three kids. Anything I give to you, I technically am taking away from my children. And I work hard. So I need you to contribute something. Left some food, met a physical need. Hey, I love you, pray for you, but you got to come on, man. Younger gentleman, I mean, I don't know what the, all the situation, but hey, if I can work, you can work. So there was kind of that little loving, like, come on. I mean, I'm here, I met a need twice, you got to do something. I mean, this can't be a, I'm not going to be an ATM I got three growing kids and I'm trying to feed myself, right? So, um, but I think really meeting those needs, what can you do to help? What can you meet? Um, now, he was naked and wounded, needed clothes, and then he put some ointment, you know, tried to help them. Um, the other thing is, this, the, you know, what, what do I have available to me to help? It says that the Samaritan put him on his donkey. Okay, what does that mean? Put him in your nice clean car. Well, pastor, you don't, I just cleaned it. Who cares, man? 
you're that worried about it, right? You know, he used what you have, oil and wine, to dress the wounds. He had the donkey where he took him to the end. Number five, how much can I help? You know, because I think that's a, that's a really valid question because I think there's sometimes only so much you can do. If you're going through a hard time and you're barely making it, now God, God may ask you to help in faith, but there's hard times sometimes where I really don't have the resources to give like I want to give. So I got to be realistic. What can I actually do? How much can I actually help? Um, and, what, and the best way to wrap our mind around this, can I pay the price? This is gonna, this is gonna be money. This is gonna be something tangible. Uh, this is going above and beyond to help. He provided shelter and safety. You know, it actually says that he stayed there and he, with the wounded person for a day. And then he said, hey, I'm, I'll be back but take care of him, and when I come back, I'll pay any extra. So he was, he was invested in helping this guy. He carried him to the inn. He stayed with him that first day. The next day, he got up said, hey, I'm going to leave him here, still take care of him. When I get back, I'll pay the difference. So that was probably like three days' worth of investment in helping one person. That's probably a lot more than some of us do sometimes. Can't say we've. Ne- I can't, I'm not going to say we've never done that, but he, this guy was committed to really, really helping. So how do we respond? What do we do? We got to make it personal. We got to make it perceivable. So we got to see it. We got to work on our proximity. We got to get close to it. We got to meet those practical needs, and then we got to pay the price. You know. I mean, I think sometimes. When you, when you choose to bless somebody and give sacrificially and it hurts just a little bit, that's when I've seen God provide the most. I don't have a lot, but I got something. All right? So really looking at this this morning, you know, community uh, is one facet of it, but reaching our world, you know, I want to focus on that just for a moment, you know, so I think it's going to be important to reach our community, but we also need to reach our world. So when we reach the world, it's going to take great sacrifice and will cost you something. So this next Sunday is going to be Mission Sunday. So we're going to have some people share about missions, some local outreach, different things like that. But it's going to really bridge the gap of how do we actually impact the world. It's always through people, right? So we're going we're gonna to be able to kind of, I'm going to hopefully next week just share for like five minutes and then let them share their heart. Just the glue of how do we impact the world, Okay, so reaching our community requires meeting practical needs, but reaching our world is going to require sacrifice. So when we think about reaching our world, I usually break it down into three categories. Those that pray, those that give, and those that go. Those are the three categories that make reaching the world possible. You can either pray, you can either give, or you can go. So you can pray for the nations of the world. Um, and, And you know what I've noticed? When you begin to pray for the nations of the world then you somewhat seem compelled to want to give to the nations of the world. And then guess what? Once I start giving to the nations of the world, you know what that kind of stirs in my heart? It compels me and gives me a desire to actually go to those nations. I see that progression. You know, when you start praying about something, you start getting personally connected with it. Man, your heart, your motives, your focus, all of those things begin to change. So we pray, we give, and we go. So all three of these responses in reaching our world require sacrifice. It is hard to pray. How many of y'all love praying? It's the easiest thing ever. Hey, y'all must sign all of y'all up for this prayer and fasting week. You're going to take a night. You raise your hand straight up, right? You want a night? I'm serious. Because it's not always easy for me to say, let's pray for a long time. Let's get all prayed up. I'm not a prayer guy, but I know I have to pray to succeed in everything I do. 
It's like the gas in the, in the vehicle. The vehicle can run great, but it has to have the gas to run right. That's what prayer often does. But prayer is work. It requires great sacrifice to be a prayer warrior, to always pray. Um, you, know, um, you know, our mission statement here at Harvest Time is, is to bring all people into a real relationship with Jesus by knowing, growing, and going towards their God's given purpose. You know, so in order to do that, we want people to know Christ we want people to grow. And that whole going that we talk about, that is reaching the nations of the world. That's getting outside the four walls of this church. We're going to be challenged this week to, or this, this year to get outside of the four walls of the church. We're going to give you opportunities to serve outside the four walls. You say, Pastor, no, I don't know nothing about it except coming to Sunday mornings. We will give you opportunity this year to serve our communities. You heard I said, give you opportunities. I can't hog tie you and drag you out there. I guess I could. It wouldn't be the most successful approach. We want to give you an opportunity to grow in that this year. That going, that's a part of God's heart. But this is Jesus' standard for you and I, Romans 12, 17 through 21. It's a tough scripture, but this is what it says. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not them, you live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, it's saying, this is how you should respond. If your enemy, <laughs> I don't like that word, Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In verse 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus always had a way of flipping the script. What the world says do, God says do otherwise. You heard that. It said enemies. <laughs> I don't want to have nothing to do with my enemies, Lord. I actually pray that my enemies would fall in a pit and die, God. But you're saying feed them. Because it says it in Scripture. There's times where it says, Lord, I pray they fall in their own trap. and da, da, da. You know, that, that ain't the heaps and coals that he's talking about, right? He's talking about love them to death. Respond in a Jesus way. It'll mess with their mind and God willing, it'll affect their heart. And cause them to come to a relationship with Jesus. This is the heartbeat of how we minister and love the community and reach the nations of the world. We reach the community practically, and we reach our world sacrificially. Like I said, next Sunday is Mission Sunday, and that's going to really connect the dots of the how do we reach the world. We, we are always trying to connect and invest in people that are reaching the nations of the world because we know that all of us can't go. But those that go, we want to empower them to do what God has called them to do and asked them to do. But if we pray for it, or we give towards it, or we go, guess what? We all have an impact in that. Praying, sometimes I remember when I was a full-time missionary, prayer was the most important to me. I didn't really care about the money. I wanted to make sure people were praying for me. And then there were those who were compelled to give, and then there were those that were compelled to go. So this is the final takeaway this morning coming from this parable of the Good Samaritan. Will you make it personal? So what I'm saying here, make it your priority to reach your community and to reach your world. 
perceivable. What do you see? You're gonna catch yourself walking with your head down, trying not to see things. Don't do that. Look up, smile. I mean, just a simple phrase, look at somebody, man, they look like they're having a day. Hey, hope, you have, hope your day gets better. You know Jesus loves you. And I do too, if you're that bold. Because really through Jesus, we can. How can you love me and not know me? Let me tell you a little bit about that. Jesus loves you. And I love Jesus. And guess what? I love the things that Jesus loves. Man, talk about a segue into a great conversation. And that'll open up all kinds of stuff. Or, hey, man, you having a bad day? I'm sorry. Is there anything I can pray for you about? You're like, man, you're telling me to be involved? Yeah, I'm saying get close to the situation, right? See what you can see. Thirdly, proximity. Get close to the situations. Don't avoid the situations. Quit avoiding people in the store that you, don't, that you know God has put across your path. How many of you are going down there like, uh-oh, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to be, man, I, I, I hope the Spirit of God this week wrecks you if you try to do that. <laughs> Engage that conversation. God knows what he's doing with, with ca- causing you to cross paths. Look at the practical. What can you do? And then when we think about price, <laughs> pull out your wallet. Some of y'all are real comfortable right now because everybody's sitting on their wallet. What happens when you pull it out and you're trying to meet a need or you're trying to share the love of Jesus? You know, there's a scripture that says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. You'll invest in those things you care about. I'll tell you what. He said, take care of your enemy. You guys stand up with us. We're going to close. Take care of your enemy. I don't like that. Any of my church folk here this morning, you call me, I'm there. What about my enemy that don't like me? What about the guy that was bold enough to, to call me out on one of my posts on Facebook and made it so personal and I, got, I hate their guts now, right? I mean, like, what? Facebook trash. Come on, man. Like, you know, he's like, man, that dude, I'm going to unfriend that guy. Heard a joke the other day that somebody was looking up a friend they hadn't seen in a long time, realized they were unfriended and didn't even know it. Like, how long has that been? Right? Don't, th- don't take things so personal. Because if Jesus would have taken things personal, he would have never made it to the cross. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? You know, we've talked about this go get the one. Why does it matter, Pastor Noe? Why should we do this? Why should we rise to the challenge of first reaching our families personally and then reaching our community practically and, and then reaching our world sacrificially? Well, first, and, and I've said this almost every message, because somebody reached out to you personally. And because they reached out to you, let's reach out to another one. And then encourage them to do the same thing. When we reach out to one in our family, that's how we reach our families. And I told you that the, the crazy math, if all of us reached one this week, like I said, it's a joke, but I'm kind of serious. If all of you are bringing one extra person next week, please let me know because we're going to have to figure out the seating arrangements. It's that fast. But the goal is not to get them in the church. The goal is to connect with their heart. To just be that little knock on their heart that might bring the salvation to their home. That might bring salvation to their heart.
and may, and may forever change the destiny of their lives. Y'all want to be a part of that? God's giving you opportunity. Here's how we do it. These, these, these five right here. When you see it, own it. Look for opportunities. If you're bold enough, before we leave, I'm going to pray over you, and I'm believing you will have a divine appointment this week. And I'm next week, I'll be like, how many of y'all stepped up to the plate? Well, brother, I, I, you know. But I'm hoping, so. man, let's start succeeding. Some of you might have just passed by the other side in the past. But now you know what you should do. I love challenging messages like this. <laughs> See one homeless man, you got five Harvest Time Church people all showed up at the same time. <laughs> I'm, come on, like, I mean, it's awesome. Christian people, loving people, right? Be a good problem. I'll be like, Kayla and Ivan, y'all got there first. You got them. I'm out, right? That's, that's what we would do. We'd rather than saying, hey, we're all here to contribute. But I'm talking about a radical move to reach people for the kingdom of God. This is about families. This is about communities. And this is about the world. And I believe this is the direction that God has taken Harvest Time Church this year, that we're going to see crazy, awesome things happen in our families, that there would be a radical shift in our community, and that all the nations of the world would know of Jesus or be given the opportunity to know of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You guys are encouraged? Amen. Any of y'all freaking out on the inside? Rocking your boat a little bit? Come on. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to go do the work that God wants us to do. Lord, I thank you for each one here under the sound of my voice. Father, those things that you call us to, you also enable us to do. So, Father, I pray for each one this week to just make an impact in somebody's life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what it is that we need to do. And, Father, that we would make it personal, that we'd make it, that we would see it, that we'd get close to it, that we would make it practical. And, Father, then if we have to, pull our wallets out and pay the price. Lord, I pray that uh, help us to have open eyes to what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. Father, that you saw us and you sent someone to rescue us. So Father, I just uh, really consecrate and surrender this whole heart and this vision of going and getting the one to you. Father, unless you show us, unless you help us, unless you uh, give us these opportunities, we're gonna fall short of it. But Father, I do count it a privilege that we can co-labor with you in accomplishing it. Father, as we go from this place, I pray that you'd bless us, that you'd strengthen us. Father, I pray that you would give us more than we have need of so that we can meet the needs at any given time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.